Hey, this is Keith Jones, the president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. This is Dan Helfer. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast. And once again, the presidential podcast is we're joined today by the president of Hockey Ops. And that, of course, is the great Keith Jones. He's here, but we have, well, we have an announcement. I, we've been, yes, we've, we've been doing this for long enough. We've been, we've been teasing it been, for forever. I, I couldn't think of the last time that somebody <laughs> has promised something. Yes. It's like, it's like a kid with Christmas when Correct. you kind of, you might know that there's a chance you're going to get something for, and it's Some like, of hey, us, like you know, a five-year-old or pick your, yeah. pick your favorite holiday and have to do Christmas, whatever. And you say like, all right, it's going to be coming. It's going to be coming. And now today's finally the day we get yes. to get, the, get the, 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 the thing out of the way. We have officially partnered with the Philadelphia Flyers for this season, a potential multi-year agreement between Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, and the Philadelphia Flyers, the only professional NHL team <laughs> that plays hockey in Philadelphia. And so we thought, what better way to start this partnership together than to bring on Keith Jones to talk about what this partnership is going to look like, uh, and and I want to address this right off the bat because we we talked about the importance of this mm-hmm. as we went through multiple offers of things this off season was we need to do something that works for the three of us. We have to be able to maintain what Anthony likes to call journalistic integrity, That's right? And that we will not become state propaganda by working together with the team. And so here we are. We are partnering, but I want to throw it to you, Jonesy. How did this happen? Who made <coughs> this call? And what were you thinking? Because in, in fairness, we've been pretty critical of this team for a few years now. It's good. Five yeah, to it's good. be exact. What happened? Well, uh, the way you introduced the show is uh, a big reason for that. It's a good show. And I think that when we look at this partnership, it's about continuing to grow the Philadelphia Flyers. And you guys have done a great job of getting the word out there, whether it was positive or negative. That's not what we're worried about. We're worried about making sure that we're interesting to the people that follow this team. And you guys have a great uh, ability to get the word out there, whether it's you know through any of the three of you guys that have got together to make what I consider to be a very good podcast. So that's that's a big reason why... Uh, this is occurring, and we're we're excited about it. And it's all about my journalistic integrity. That's right. Anthony's always been a great writer. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I've always been a fan of his work, and uh, going to continue to be. But it's not about you guys trying to, you know, hide things that are going, you know, negatively. It's more about just being out there and making sure that we're getting the word out and that people are hearing about the Philadelphia Flyers. And you guys have done a good job in doing that. And well, I guess, yeah, well, I mean, I was the same with Jonesy. We've been friends, teammates for 25 years on multiple levels as uh, flyer teammates, as broadcasting teammates. How much of the messaging went, went first of all, there was, a, there was a change that went through this team in the past. Yep. That's stopped now. It's, it's changed back over to you and Danny and Dan. How much of that did, did you hear through the fans, the frustration that they had gone through at that time and, and now to see where things are at? Yeah, no, it's been, the, it's been a lot better. Um, I think the messaging has been a lot better. I think the maneuvers have been a lot better. I think the team's in a much better place to grow now. I think our fans like to be involved in that process. 
and be involved is understanding where things are going by people communicating the message from up top. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Um, we're not fearful of saying what we're doing. Um, we want to make sure that our fans feel like they're a big part of what it is. And they are. Without them, we have nothing. And I think we all recognize that in this business. And before you even thought about taking on this position, you were a broadcaster. You watched this team almost every game. If you had to go back and look at it from where you were six, seven, eight months ago, and you looked at this team and this organization, what was the one thing that you felt had to change if it was going to get to that point where yeah, you grow? I, I think it was the connection with the fans. I mean, I think that's really what has become, you know, was a big reason why I wanted to do this. Um, number one, the fans personally have been great to me over the years. Um, I've always just been honest. I've always, you know, basically just given my opinion, uh, whether it was doing the games or on radio in the past. Um, they like to be spoken to. They like when you take a few seconds to say hello. They like when you have a conversation about the Flyers, when you're not running from them, but you're actually in the thick of them. And I think that's a big thing that had to change. So that that's something that I think is a natural thing for me. Um, I've always done it. And Chris has been around me a lot and <clears throat> done the same thing. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that needed to get better. There's a disconnect, and we, we want to connect things how, again. How much of that happened, though, Jonesy, after the passing of Mr. Snyder? Because it did feel like there was a real culture change with a new organizational approach that came in, and a lot of things that maybe didn't need to be changed were changed. And I think that's where I, they drew the ire of the fan base in a lot of ways. And that can you can disconnect quickly yeah. from your fans when you start to make wholesale changes that aren't necessarily uh, meant to be made in that spot in time. Yeah, I don't think that he was a person that missed a whole lot of what was going on mm -hmm. around the team. And I, I just think that there started to become some you know missteps that were made. I don't think anyone was doing it intentionally. Of course. I just think that there were some things that kind of got away. And the number one priority for us is to bring back – you know, the fans that have kind of lost interest because there's a, let's face it, there's a lot to be interested about in sports in Philadelphia right now. Mm -hmm. um, for us, we've got a, you know, an opportunity to climb back into that conversation. It's, it's a big climb. Um, so we need to not have any missteps and we need to, you know, do the best we can to make sure that our fans recognize that we care about them and care about the product on the ice and want to make sure that we give them a competitive team, not just for one year, but for an extended period well, of time. That's, that's the key. So again, in, in full transparency here, the, the fan base has long been divided between those who would hold the, the time that Mr. Snyder had with this organization as being the gold standard. And then there were people who said, well, the team didn't win. I mean, the team won 20 years before I was born. But, like, right. but hasn't actually reached the pinnacle of the sport since. And so there was this large fan base segment, probably in my demo in the 30-ish range, who says, we ha we've seen this team get to a cup. We've seen this team compete for a division. But like, when we point to a winning culture, what are we really talking about? Because people my age really haven't seen a ton of right. winning. So when you think about how you build this thing, and, and you're transparent about the fact that this is, in fact, a rebuild. This is not a retool. This is something that is going to take time. How important is it? And, and how do you, I guess, get that point across to, you know, it feels genuine so far. But how important is it to connect with that maybe disaffected group of fans who say, we just want to believe that there's a chance this team can become a winner for a prolonged period of time? It's, a, it's about showing them. 
I mean, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. And if you don't, if you don't do it, they know. You're not fooling anybody here. Um, they are fans that are really well-educated in all of their sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, they follow you when you're winning, when you're producing, when you're backing up what you say. Um, so those things we can never lose sight of. Uh, when we're winning again, which we will, they will come back. And we're very focused on building a team the right way, using a lot of different people that have a lot of knowledge about the game and all facets. Uh, we're going to use every resource that we have. Well, when, when you guys were introduced um, in the, the official press conference, um, and Danny was telling, you know, telling us about how development was going to be such a big thing for this organization going right. forward. Now we're at the start of a new season. You got to see an entire summer rookie camp, training camp. Where do you? How do you assess where the team is at that? With that, as far as development, did, did, did some guys come in and be like, "Oh wow, look at that! They got a lot better from from a year yeah, ago." Yeah, where are you it, at on this? That's going to take time. There's no question about that. But I, I will tell you that we're not missing anything is our goal to make sure that if there's a player that's going to make it to the NHL that he comes up and makes it for the right reasons he knows what his role is going to be he is identified early on by us as someone that's projecting to be a valuable National Hockey League player and we want to make sure we have hands on him we want to make sure that we make sure we're discussing you know, what he has to do to make it to the National Hockey League and what he needs to do to stay there. You only stay if you get better. Right. You don't stay, as Chris knows well, if you don't improve. And we've had a lot of players come up that have showed something and then not turned out to be National Hockey League players over the last you know, decade, basically. Yeah. Those, are the, those are the guys that we want to make sure that we develop, you know, analyze, and make sure that we're making the right projections before we put too much time and energy into a particular player. You put a lot of this team, the management team together, Jonesy. What does patience look like to you What in, in terms of years? The Rangers a few years ago was seemed to be the symbolic uh, rebuild. And yeah. They sent the letter to the fans, and then from that point it was go. Okay, and the fans immediately backed off, and they said, we're going to let them rebuild with however they're going to do it. What does that version of patience look like to you on a time frame? Yeah, the time frame is a little bit tricky. I think Danny spoke on it a few times, and I kind of would echo what he was saying about the players will dictate how long it takes. Um, We've had some good karma going this offseason with players returning from injury, Mm -hmm. like Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson. That kind of changes some things because our team is probably going to be better than a lot of people expect. Um, we want our players to have a chip on their shoulder. We want our players to prove everybody wrong. Um, we want them to be thinking about winning every night. Uh, we want to make sure that we, we're teaching them that that's what we expect, um, even if we're not at that point in our evolution. Um, Drafting is going to be really important for us, and we're going to draft the best player. And if it's going to be... A three-year wait, like it may be with Michkov, then we're going to wait. But we're going to do everything we can to get the right players that provide different elements that we haven't had here uh, in a number of years, including high-end, you know, 100-point possible players if we can find them. But, you know, there is a little bit of luck involved in that as well. I do want to get into the roster construction and, and the methodology behind it. So, again, fragmented 
fan base. It's not just here. It's across the league. There's been this idea for the last, let's say, three or four years that when you build a team, especially one that's rebuilding, you should play the kids. Play the kids. It's like the, the number one thing, right? Yeah. But, like, fundamentally, you, you typically can't up and down the lineup. It just it doesn't work. It could potentially hinder their development, all that. So when we look at this team and what it appears to be a fourth line of veteran players, you have some fans who are saying, hey, you know, it would be really cool to see more of the kids up here playing on the fourth line, put them in an advantageous position, like give them the opportunity to perform at this level. Where do you fall on it? Because, you know, as president of Hockey Ops, I can't imagine that you're going to be dictating terms on who's in the lineup night right. in the night out. Right. That might have happened other places other times, not here, not now. But when we look at this team, like where, where do you fall on this idea of established fourth line versus playing, playing the kids, which in fairness means like play only kids. Yeah. You want to play your kids in the right spot. Yeah. So if you're, the kid is not a fourth line player, you don't want to play him as a fourth liner. So it's about identifying what the player is. Um, It's not just giving a kid a chance to skate in the national hockey league. It's not seeing someone that, you peg as a number two defenseman in the future and play him as a six with limited minutes. That's It's more about recognizing what your young player is and playing them appropriately. So if a player's coming up that's a skilled player, you want to play him on the power play. You know, you're not, it's just identifying where the player projects to be and where you expect him to be and where he's at at that point in his career. Rushing young players is not going to do anything to, to help in their development. But when they're ready, they're going to get that chance. So we're encouraging it. We want it to happen, but we're not going to force it to happen. You, you've had a few young players who've had a pretty good camp. Um, you're at a point now where, and I guess you guys will, will, will know the answer to this um, by the time this airs, but you guys are going to finalize this roster here. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what you saw out of some of these young guys like Bobby Brink and, and Tyson Forster and then even on the defensive side like Emil Andre and, and even Zamula to, to a little extent? Saw, saw a lot from Zamula. I thought he really looked good with Sanheim. Uh, I thought, you know, Sanheim did a great job going over and playing on his offside. It was really outstanding through training camp, but I think that was real helpful with Zamula. Um, his passing was outstanding. The fact that he, you know, stayed here in the off season, got that shoulder repaired, and got himself in really good shape is going to serve him well. So, I see a bright future for Zamula. I see a lot from Andre as well. Um, he is a very aggressive young man, and I, I think it's really encouraging to watch just how he approaches the game. If he makes a mistake, he gets rid of it right away. And then he's out there making a good play going the other way. A lot of young defensemen don't have that. That's yep. um, a position that Bundy knows well. They they take time. Um, there's going to be some bumps for him just because he's learning the North American game. And it's a tough game to learn at the National Hockey League level. But he's right there. Um, so that's been impressive. For the young kids up front like Brink and Forrester, I think we saw a lot from Forrester last year. He's... You know, he's a big guy. He's got an outstanding shot. Most importantly, has a lot of hockey sense, Mm -hmm. something that's really difficult to measure at times, but not when you watch him closely. He's a good decision maker. He's a very good passer. Um, He's going to be a very good player for us, whether it's, you know, the first game or two games down the road. He's he's the type of player that's going to continue to get better, and we're going to help him do that. For Bobby Brink, he did everything. 
coming into camp. It's not a player that we necessarily projected to start the year in Philadelphia, um, but he just kept coming, whether it was development camp, the fact he was here in the offseason and did a lot to get himself you know, stronger, did all the things he had to do. He did a very good job in the skating tests and – you know, for a player that doesn't have, you know, the most um, outstanding looking skating ability, he's done a really good job to put himself on the map. And then he is a player that's a skilled player. He presents issues for the opposition that some of our guys don't. So it's a different look. So when he's playing, he's going to play in a role where he's getting opportunities to handle the puck and make plays, whether that's on the, you know, the power player or even strength, he's going to play with good players. And he's earned that right so far. You mentioned that he kind of came, not came out of nowhere, but you guys might not have thought of him as being a legitimate threat maybe to make the, the yep. team from the jump. Fair. Um, is he? Is it safe to say then that he's maybe the biggest breakout, the biggest surprise? Or Yeah, I, I would say that. Okay. Yeah, as far as coming into training camp. And that can change, you know, with younger players. There's It can be, I use the analogy, like a blade of a saw sometimes up and down and then a little up and then a little bit further down and then up. So there's going to be moments for young players that as they cut their teeth, um, they're going to have to find the saw. Yeah. They're going to have to find a way. I I, I like that. Uh, They're going to have to make sure that they keep on being noticeable on a nightly basis in a positive way. But it's not like we're pounding them into the ground saying you can't fail. You know, it's, we're going to give them a chance to grow and develop into NHL players. Jonesy, and I know multiple talks over the years we've had and, and just watching uh, the NHL, uh, defense is, is you build your team really through the yeah. back end, I think. And you look at a team like Vegas, the outstanding defense they had, and even teams that go deep. That would have to be, I guess, just on paper, the most pressing thing that the outsider would see that's not part of the yeah. organization. And where where does that sit with you? Because that, that can take, you know, we haven't talked about Cam York. You know, where is he at from yep. a year ago? Yep. And what does it look like? How do you acquire better players moving into the future? Yeah, I, I think Cam York's a great example of someone that we're looking to continue his growth. Yep. I think he's done a very good job since he arrived. You know, he's had some opportunities to be in the American Hockey League, and now he's ready to be a full-time National Hockey League player. And his upside is something that we think is further than where he's at right now I think he's going to continue to develop in a prime role but adding you know a one is a is a real challenge for everybody the entire league there's probably eight of them out there you know if you really broke down every team but most of those guys are on teams that are winning cups you know if you look at Tampa with Hedman they had Sergachev and they had McDonough as well I mean they had a real strong left side of their blue line Trangelo is a great example both in St. Louis and Vegas the number one D is a very important player. We all want one. Um, there's different ways you can do it. Ideally, you draft them and develop them, and that yeah. takes time. Um, but you could buy them at some point. Uh, not where we're at right now, but at some point we will be. So that is uh, that's something that we'll definitely be looking at. But we do have a really solid set of defensemen right now, underrated. Um, okay. And they do have size. Yep. You know, that's something Zamula brings with his length. Sanheim is also a very big guy and a great skater. Uh, Ristolainen has, a, you know, the ability to knock people down when yeah. necessary. Had a good second half mm-hmm. last year. So those are the type of guys, if you really break down Vegas's team, you know, if they had a Ristolainen in there or a Hague, there's, is there, how big of a difference is there? It's, there's, there's not a whole lot of difference between some of the players that we have. They have Petrangelo, they have Theodore. 
you know, that's, that's where you, so your top end guys are the ones that ultimately make the difference, but I'm not looking and saying we're not going to be capable of growing one ourselves. I think we can, but it's definitely a focus for us. Sure. You guys now have in this organization, I believe it's seven goalies. You, you traded for one in the off season. You drafted two more. You had guys here already. It's kind of an, an interesting approach to have that kind of organizational depth at that position. What, what, what's the philosophy behind that? Why do you think it's such a good thing? Well, to it's have an so important many, position, so guys, and then right? it's about how much do you want to pay the position, yeah. right? So if you're bringing younger players up in that spot, and then you eventually, you know, have one that develops like. Carter Hart, then you've got yourself in a good situation. But at the end, you know, there's some teams you can look at what they've done, like Bobrovsky making over 10 million or so, right? Um, there's times, even though as great as he played last year, that I think Florida wouldn't mind adjusting that. <laughs> uh, it happens, right? right? It does, sure. So a team like Vegas won with mul multiple goaltenders. Of course, that's the freshest example. It's unusual. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a rarity. I think they had just such a solid team that they were able to find a way to do it, not to take anything away from Aiden Hill, but and that's a that's a goaltender that any team in the league could have picked up last year for a third or fourth round yeah. pick. Uh, a little different now that he's won, but <laughs> yeah. that's how it was. So I, I do think there's ways that you can go about finding them, but if you can grow them, homegrown goaltending is a great thing, and I think that's part of the reason that we've got so many in the pipeline. Is that kind of like the same philosophy of you want to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback in his when he's on his – first first contract because once you start paying 45 50 million dollars a year it, it affects the rest of the roster yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely part of it yeah yeah there's there is it's a mathematical equation in the end um and there's a lot of math involved with everything that's going on so you really have to sit down and then prioritize the position and you know goaltending is one where you can look at it in multiple ways but in the end, the teams normally that are winning cups have one guy that's better than the rest. Um, but there is some examples where, like Vegas, where you know a tandem has come up big and found a way to get the job done. Does that indicate to you that maybe the tide is changing a bit in the not the importance of the position because it's obviously still a massively important role to fill on a team. I don't want to like say that it's yeah. getting, it, you devalue it like the NFL running back, right? But like when you look at it, and you you said before. There are probably like eight number one defensemen that are true number one defensemen, and that obviously is critical. When you look at goalie, are we now starting to trend to a position in the league where you say, all right, there might be four, five guys that you say are head and shoulders in a league of their own, and based on that, maybe you don't have to invest quite as much money in that position because, quite frankly, you might not need one of those five guys to win. Yeah, personally, if I was looking at a you know a top-notch goaltender, top five in the league, or a top five defenseman, I'm taking the defenseman. Um, I, I want to make sure that I'm talking top five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. that's that's a number one defenseman. I would much rather have a number one defenseman and two 1As in net, Yeah. Okay. personally. Um does that mean I'm right? No, but that's my <laughs> philosophy. Right. You know, Danny and I would probably have to have a conversation about that, <laughs> and he might win the argument. But there's, that's how I've always viewed it from, you know, looking from up top. Uh, it, I think it's really important to build that that defense and the goaltending. I think there's ways to balance it out. And there's proof in the pudding now with that, Jones. I mean, you have Darcy Kemper. Yep. Right? These are not household yep. name goaltenders. Aiden Hill, yep. Jordan Bennington. Yep. These are guys that were – 
nobodies at the time. Kemper had been around a little bit, but there's certainly proof to that. And when you look at those teams that you just that with the defense and the core of the players they had, it was built from the back end out, and you could live with good goaltending. Yeah, like even when Colorado won, Francois came in and played yes. some really key games in the mm-hmm. conference final. Yes. Um, and that was obviously really important, but that team won because they were better everywhere else. Yeah. They won because they had three defensemen that are top defensemen mm-hmm. and Taves and Bo Byram and, of course, McCarr. But that's a when you look at their back end, you see why they won. And I think that's something that we, you know, we definitely are – you know, keeping an eye on and making sure that it's part of our philosophy and the way that we're thinking moving forward. Now, there there is one, I think, kind of glaring thing here. So this offseason, you guys moved on from the guy who I think many had been told for a long time was that number one, was going to develop into being that number one. And as we wrote, as we talked about on this show, we didn't really view him to be that number one, number one. And I think, based on your comments, if you thought that he was, he would still be here. So when you look at building, you know, you you move him out, it's created opportunities for other guys. One guy who stands out as needing a bounce back season is a Travis Sandman, who signed a massive deal last fall. I think before ever taking the ice with this head coach, that was a move that was looked at with some sideways glances. But in the past, we've watched Sandheim play and say, man, like when he's on, he looks like a guy who can be a top pair defenseman. How do you get through to him as an organization, you know, towards his coaching staff? How do you get through to him to just play and to not overthink it, not let the weight of that contract just play? It's been an easy thing. This summer he came in, he put on 17 pounds of muscle. He's walking around with, you know, some swagger and he's playing with it and we're encouraging it. Um, He is the one guy that has a tremendous amount of upside. And I think you're going to see, at least from what we saw in the preseason and what we've seen, you know, through the training and the practices, he's taken on a much bigger piece of the pie. And sometimes that can happen because a player decides, hey, they've taken care of me, they've paid me, I'm going to do everything I can to be better. Some of it's about opportunity. Some players leave, and all of a sudden that player's in a more prominent role and they thrive in it. I think that's what we're seeing from Travis. Um, I'm really encouraged by the way he's played. He's been aggressive. He's been pushing the offense, and we want him to. We want to create more from our back end, and he's one player that has a lot of offensive upside. He looked so much bigger. I saw him hit a home run to dead center field at Citizens Bank Park. It's funny, right? Like it's, I, I like, it's, And I was like, who? where did this yeah, come from? I, I, would t- <laughs> I would tell you, you, know, you mentioned the contract. When you look at the contracts that are coming, that contract's going to be a bargain in the end. This yeah. has been your argument. Which is, which is you know, which that. is a, it's some people will say, what? You know, but it really, I truly believe that that's going to be the case with Travis at the end. Is your, is your guy up front for me, when you just talk about Sandheim, like for me, he needs to show, and it's, sometimes it's difficult for a guy who maybe I've been in that position where you lose the one, yeah. you have, you don't have yeah. the one. And then you're required to fill that space. And sometimes it's not always sufficing to the eye of management. But even though that guy's doing the best job that he possibly can in a Sandheim. But when you take the forward look, Jonesy, and for me, just looking up front, it is Sandheim on the back end. That guy has to be Farabee on the front end. For, that is it, it for it's me. A, yeah. that, is that who it is for yeah, you? Yeah, because we saw it, right? Yeah. We saw it two years ago. It, in a similar way to Sandheim, they both had very good years going back a couple of seasons ago. Two years ago, ago. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then before Joel was injured in the offseason, he definitely has 
another gear that he can get to. And he showed us a lot of glimpses of it. Um, he also was here all summer, lifting, getting stronger, doing everything he possibly could to make sure that he gets himself in position to have that type of season again. And not just one season, but multiple seasons, right. because he's also someone that's got term on his contract. Yes. So yeah, those are those are two great examples, and that's that's a good comparison by position. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Joel this year too. Go ahead. You look like you had something. No, yeah, I, I was I was giving oh, you the no, sign no, no, I, no, I, 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 kind of I promised Jonesy we no, would limit, limit it to a certain amount of time, yeah, and you yeah, just keep, yeah, yeah. your questions yeah, yeah. are so long. Listen, the, listen, we're partnered now. Too bad. Your like questions, you, you take time, like a minute and a half. To time ask is the an question. illusion. So um, next time you, you want to answer him, <laughs> whatever you want to answer, just interrupt him. I like him. his questions. So you know why he brought us in. So here's my last one. When when you look at this team, and you know, we talked about the the presence of veterans on the team. One of the things that, that we've talked about quite a bit is you get guys coming back off of injuries like an Atkinson. Yeah. You get a guy back like Couturier. You get a guy like Stahl in the offseason. Stahl would appear to be somebody who, you know, he could probably play a, a solid leadership yeah. role in, in helping these young guys. But, like, ultimately, you maybe think, hey, the trade deadline comes up. He has a chance to go to a contender. It could be in play, perhaps. Right. When you look at an Atkinson, you think he's got to prove that he can stay healthy. Is there a certain window here in your mind where you say, we value having these guys here for their leadership more than what we could potentially get for them in a deal even as soon as the trade deadline this year? Yeah, for, for someone like Mark Stahl, he'll decide that. Okay. If he wants to go somewhere else, then we would give him that opportunity to do that. We're not going to ask him. He came here to help us. Um, he's going to work with our young defensemen. He'll play in some big, bigger games for us. I would suspect or expect that he would probably play, you know, in the opening game of the season um, because he's that type of player where he can really calm things down. He's had a really good camp too. It's impressive. And then I watched him closely last year all the way up to the final against uh, Vegas where he played, you know, a big role for yeah. them. So there's a lot of value in him both as a player and as a mentor to some of our younger defensemen. I think we're going to try to capitalize on that. And then that would be a type of decision where he would tell us if he wants to go somewhere, then we would accommodate him. Um, for Atkinson, it's about him continuing to lead by example. When you watch him play, you can't help feel good for the way he plays the game. Mm -hmm. because he works his tail off. So that type of leadership is something that we want to uh, pass along to some of our younger players, that they can watch him, see how he performs as a professional, and learn from him. So he has value in, uh, in our locker room right now. To me, that's more valuable than you know not having him with our team. Couturier is going to be, provided he stays healthy, another one of those contracts that's going to be a bargain in the end. Um, it seems like a lot right now for him, a player that missed the last couple of seasons, but we're already seeing him start to get back into his form. Again, that's going to be a blade of a saw, though, because he's coming back from a long period of time off. We're going to see some great moments from him. Um, we're going to see some other moments where he's going to you know, figure his way through certain games that he doesn't have his best stuff. That's what I would expect. Mm -hmm. But his leadership, uh, his ability to play at both ends of the ice – uh, the way he calmly goes about doing his you know, job, I think is important for some of our younger players to see as well. So he is a foundational piece of our team, and I'm really happy that he's healthy and feeling good and ready to go to start the season. 
last thing for me, Jonesy. Let's say there's seven games left in the year. We're gonna just do it, pull it out the crystal yeah. ball. Are the Philadelphia Flyers comfortably in the playoffs in the seventh or eighth position, or on the outside looking in? Just, just yeah, on the I'd, outside. I'd, I'm not sure. Like I, I, I think that our guys are gonna surprise people. I, I don't want to give any right, you know, great expectations as far as where we're going to end up points-wise. I know we're going to be a really competitive team, and that's what's most important to me. Um, I don't think teams are going to come in here and have an easy night. Uh, I think we're going to represent our fan base properly. Um, but where we're at as far as points go, I'm not sure, because things could change near the trade deadline. Sure. I mean, there's going to be some things that we're doing that are keeping an eye on the future as well. But we want to play properly. Um we're never going to tank a game, so our guys are going to fight right that's till the end. That's great. That's for sure. Yeah, should we? Should be. I, I wish that I would have asked this question before Bundy because that would have been. You just said we that needed to been wrap a great, No, but that would have been a great question to end on. But there was one player that we didn't talk about that I think gets a lot of attention, especially online. Flyers fans ask us about all the time. It's a guy like Morgan Frost, who at the end of last year was still kind of you know Torch was saying he was still kind of evaluating him right right and yeah within that regard, and so there's some back and forth of where he kind of fits and going forward. What have you seen from him this, this training so camp? I've seen a lot. I'm, uh, yeah. I thought he really played well in the last game of the preseason as well. He's yeah. been good on draws. Most importantly, he's won a lot of puck battles. Um, when Morgan first came up, if he lost the puck, it was very difficult for him to get it back. Now he's starting to get it back. And so much of this game is based upon – how you get it back, how quickly you get it back, and then he has the ability the ability to do stuff with it when he has it. Um, he's got a unique skill set, and I'm, I'm actually really feeling some positive vibes about where he's headed in his career. These are a big couple of seasons for him. Yeah. Uh, we, we got him on a fair contract, and if he has a start like he did to the finish of last season, we've got a really productive player that – should be thinking to himself that I got a lot to prove um, and to, to increase his value both internally with us and with the rest of the National Hockey League. So this is the age where you you either go one way or the other. I expect him to go up, um, and I'm really looking forward to watching him play. I think we probably – now we can wrap, wrap it up. this up. Yeah, now I we can. Think, I think we're good. Podcast. The presidential podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, a big thank you for coming thank on. You guys. I'm, yeah, I'm, Thanks, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this probably won't be the last time. No, it won't. We, no, of course you, not. Uh, no, we're around, so it's not like we're going to be hiding anywhere. This is so. the most polite Jonesy and me have ever been to each other. <laughs> <laughs> we call that maturity. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's good, good stuff. <laughs> so a big thank you to everybody who listened out there. And we do have one other partial announcement here as part of the show. Not only we're going to be doing this podcast, as we said, partnered with the Flyers, but yeah. of course, on game days. People have been asking for this for quite a while, and you know we alluded to the fact Bundy has a commitment for the radio for pre-game pre-game. radios. Jones and then we yeah, and, and we even we even said something about you know are you busy during intermissions or post game? Well, now we can talk about the fact that we'll be bringing back the press row show every home game uh, at Wells Fargo Center. We will be out and about. We will be among the people. So while we might call it press row show, we might change the name. I don't know. We'll, we'll still decide this. But yes, we will be out there somewhere in the arena looking to engage with fans to talk about this game in between periods. And you find that on the Snow the Goalie YouTube channel. Bundy will be with us. Come get a picture. Come say hi. That's whatever right. it is. That's what we yep. want. We want to be around the fans. That's what the show is all about to us. And and that's it's going to be great. It's like, going to be really, awesome. Really excited. It's going to be awesome. So we'll be there pregame, intermissions, and postgame. Got a lot of fun stuff planned for this year. So 
A big thank you once again to Jonesy. A big thank you to our our new partners, the Philadelphia Flyers. For Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Talk to you later.